Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to White Wine Question Time, something from the cellar. A chance for us to revisit some vintage conversations. And this week, there's a theme. We're celebrating the Wonder Woman that is Hannah Waddingham. Oh, man alive. She has owned this year, hasn't she? I mean, she stole Eurovision. She's now got a timeshare with Christmas. She's sharing with Michael Bublé and Mariah Carey. After the release of her epic Apple Christmas special, Hannah Waddingham, Home for Christmas, which was filmed at the London Coliseum, somewhere that had a huge pull for Hannah because it's where her mother worked for 30 years uh, as part of the English National Opera Chorus. And here we see her unpacking her extraordinary talents alongside the cast of Ted Lasso and the man you're about to hear from next. She invited him on stage and introduced him as a man who's been a friend for over 20 years, having started out with him in the West End. But you probably know him best as Hollywood superstar Luke Evans, who here recalls what it was first like establishing himself in the industry from leaving home at 16 and saving up for his first singing lessons to working as a bouncer at London's hottest game. Club. Probably the most humble of jobs are the ones that educate you the most. Mm. Um, because without those jobs, and I'll list them in a minute, there's a lot of them, um, you don't know what it is to struggle. You don't know what it is to think about where your next rent is coming from. Um, 
saving money for the future. I couldn't do that for a very long time. I lived hand to mouth. And even though I was in musical theater, they don't get paid a huge amount of money. And I would do any job to, um, to survive. And um, I was never proud. I never thought, ah, oh, I can't do this because of who I am. I thought, no, you just do it because you've got to pay your bills. And so I did. And those jobs, and you've mentioned a few of them, you know, I worked in a PR agency. I looked after, I, looked, I tried to get columns for celebrity chefs. Did and, you? Um, Z-list celebrities. Did you? And, uh, I bet that's miserable. taught you a lot, about, even if it's just what you don't want to do. <laughs> I mean, the talented chefs were easy because they were talented and they were very famous, but the the, the celebrities, which uh, I couldn't even remember who they were now, but they weren't people I would have thought were celebrities. They were trying to, you know, think, God, I'm so much more talented than them. <laughs> and I'm actually silly. I'm actually sitting here bloody finding work for them. Um, you know, it is what it that's is. That's brilliant. And yeah. you know what? You're right. You probably were more talented than them. Has time has gone on to testify. Yeah. But, you know, I would do anything. I, and the, 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 like, the mystery shopping thing, that was a miserable job because you'd have to go in and pick on somebody. Well, not pick on them, but just question everything they did as they served you. And I always used to give them 10 out of 10 stars. I didn't care. I got a free lunch out of it and, and they paid me 50 quid. So I was like, fine. <laughs> So you, you have know, to go but, and pose as a shopper and, and put the staff to the test and then report back on your findings. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of how it was. And then, you know, I worked on the door of a nightclub. I mean, it was the coolest gay club in London at the time, the Shadow Lounge, it was called. And I was. You worked at Shadow Lounge on the door? No way. Yeah, I was I the probably... VIP host. I'd probably let you in, my love. Yes. Do you know what? I had a couple of really funny nights in there. Oh, One my with God. Scylla Black. I used to, I sat with Silver Black several times. Paul O'Grady, Paul O'Grady yes! would have been there too, right? Yeah, I used to let them in. And sometimes Paul, I, used to, I said to Paul once, I said, can I meet Silla, please? And so he came upstairs, he's like, Lou, come on down, kid. Let me show you, let me meet Silla. Let me come and meet Silla. And uh, I went down and sat with her. She was sozzled, I'm not going to lie. She couldn't put two, two words together at that point. It was quite late in the evening, but she was having a hell of a time. And, you know, but that place you could, you would let in everyone. Like, the, I mean, there were so many interesting people that used to come in there. Patrick Cox, Elton John, David and Victoria. I mean, you know. It was just one of those places, and I was there when it was at its height, you know, so, yeah. So, really, you were like the gatekeeper to the VIP lounge. Uh, the most sought-after gay bar in town, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I used to do that after work. So I'd go to the theatre, work in the theatre, I'd finish, and then I'd go and stand on the door till 3am just to make more money. And then in the daytime, I'd go and work as a PA to a restaurateur until 4, 4.30, and then I'd catch the tube into the West End, do the show, and then go and stand on the door of Shadow Lounge. Wow. I, I I worked and I didn't care. I wanted to save money because I wanted to... At that point, I'd signed with an agent in L.A. So I'd already had big Hollywood agent and I was working three jobs because I knew without the money, I couldn't go to L.A. and live and spend three months there and go do all the, the meetings and all that, you know. I'm not prou too proud to not do work, no. you know, because it, it was a means to an end. I mean, what, what did those jobs teach you, though? I mean, apart from... The fact that you, know, you should never be too proud to put in an honest day's work. But, for example, though, you know, overseeing the door at the, at, at the Shadow Lounge, you must have seen a lot that you took home and chewed over. Oh, God. I mean, I usually would, by the end, by 3 p.m., 3 a.m., you know, when I used to clock off, it stayed up until 4. God. You know, the, you'd be like, oh, God. Why are you doing this? You know, you're freezing cold. You've had a fag butt thrown at your face. You know, somebody's tried to bribe you, which you've let in. 
And, you know, you're, you're drinking somebody else's drink that they've left at the, at the front door because you're thirsty. And you think, God, do you know what it does, though? I, it makes you dream because some of those people I used to let in had made it and they were big stars. And I used to think maybe one day, you know, maybe one day, this is, this is just a means to an end, but one day maybe me, I'll be, they'll let me into this place. I'll be on the other side and the red rope will be opened and I'll go in. And I don't know. I think sometimes work and not the job that you want to do in life is the thing that kicks you into want to, to fighting for the thing that you want to do. It's, it's true. And I, I'm grateful that, 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 you know, success happened at 30 because at that point I'd been living on my own for 14 years. I've been surviving, paying my, my, my own tax and my own health insurance, well, not health, but, you know, paying my income tax and since I was 16 years old. And, so it yeah, wasn't you left, easy. You left home very young, didn't you? You were 16 yeah. when you went to Cardiff and then 18 when you arrived I mean, in London. I didn't think it was young. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd have left at 13 if, I, if it had been allowed. I was ready to go. <laughs> I was like, let's go. The, the bright lights of London are calling and I'm ready to go. But no, I had to wait till 16 and I had it all planned. I knew exactly what I was going to do. Get a job, start singing lessons and somehow find my way and it I, weirdly I found my way through my 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 singing which was the best way of going to London because then I had a purpose for being there mm. see most yes, people think true. of you when they hear that you've got an album out as oh he's an actor who sings but no actually you were a singer who then started acting singing is what you did first and yeah. that 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 job in the shoe department at River Island was a Saturday gig to pay for your singing lessons with but you shared a singing teacher with Charlotte Church. But yeah. you were so invested in yourself, even from that young age, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was. And I'm very proud of that 16-year-old. Yeah. I wish I could have just told that 16-year-old, you know, this is all going to pay off. Because I think at the point I was there, I just didn't have an idea of what was to come, you know. But every opportunity that was given me, I took. I never, I never, ever stopped and goes well, no, I'm comfortable here. And, you know, I, that's the unknown. I don't know about the unknown. I'm not, I'm scared of the unknown. I was like, this is, this is, these doors are opening and they're going to close if you don't walk through them. And so I just did. And I'm proud of that 16 year old. Cause that's a daunting thing at 16 to be, you know, firstly living on your own and then, you know, doing, just taking a singing lesson, then going to London for an audition and, and then packing your bags and moving to the big city, like without no one really telling you to do it. And, but I did that. And I was always so, uh, I often wish like I could have been around for the 16 year old Luke. Although the friends that I had then were, ama- were amazing. They are still in my life. They oh, were all good. in the audience at the show. Ah. Like, can you, um, I've known them since I was 16 years old. One of them I shared a bed sit with, you know, and there they are. I'm the godfather to his, her son. And, um, and they're still oh. there. And a lot of the stories that I tell in this show are about my, my life and how I moved. And they were all part of it and they're still part of it. And that's, for me, that means much more than any success is that you, you hold on to the things that uh, got you there. Because I feel that that's, that's something that's very easy to, to forget in this business. You know, God, yeah. you get so much smoke blown up your ass. It's an American phrase, but I love it. It just makes um, so much I, sense. Yeah. You know, like... And if you're, if you're weak of character, you can very quickly forget who oh, you were. Yeah. And I don't, think, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy, you know. But also I think fame and success 
um, is something that you handle, A, much better when you're older, but B, much better when you've worked and fought really hard for it. And we live in such a fast food sort of society now where you can enter a competition and be famous by the end of it, you know. Um, you know, I'm guilty. Mm. I hosted shows like X Factor, which yeah. fast-tracked people to number one in the charts. But for that you, was the last you had... time I watched it, by the way. Thanks, Luke. Um, you were with Leona Lewis, right? That's right. Yeah. So when Leona Lewis was winning or was on the show, we were in Avenue Q and I was an understudy, so I was never on stage. So we used to be backstage with this little TV in the first actor's uh, dressing room, which was right next to the stage, and we'd literally miss our cues because we'd be watching X Factor on a Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious, but you really... Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And one night, and and the night that we all had to vote, I missed my cue because I was phoning and texting for Leona like over and over and over again and then she came to the show like it was like it was, yeah I was a big fan of, the, of Leona um, <laughs> next up one of Hannah's Ted Lasso co-stars a comedian actor and writer the hilariously unapologetic Ellie Taylor <laughs> In Ted Lasso, she stars as the rather aptly named Sassy, and she met Hannah on the show, and they've become friends ever since. Here she talks about how she unexpectedly landed the role of Sassy and also dives into the success of her Sunday Times best-selling book that gives us a refreshing and brutally honest look at motherhood and the life-changing newborn stage. How did you end up on Ted Lasso? Well, it was just one of those millions of auditions that I ended up going for. And I I, I, can, I can actually remember it because I was, a, I was a bit pissed off because it was a very long way across London. And I was like, well, here we go. I'm going to waste half a day, traipse into the arse end of nowhere to do something and then not get the job like always. Because obviously with acting, you just get a million no's. Um, yeah. And uh, went along and did it. And then, yes, got, got a yes. And that was a bit, uh, was a bit what? Sorry, what? So that was lovely. Um, and then it all, you know, had no idea what it was. No one did. Um, turned up to film my scenes and I still didn't really have a handle on exactly what the show was. And I'd only ever sort of seen, you know, I'd sort of seen my stuff. I didn't know what anything else was going on in the series. So, um, when it came out on Apple again, it was, you know, no one knew what it was, what it was about. And I, I didn't, I wasn't sure if I'd done that great. So I thought I just, I won't mention it. I won't tell anyone that I'm in it. It's fine. Just let it go under the radar. And then everyone's, everyone started watching it and everyone was talking about it. And then I was like, well, I should probably get Apple TV to have a look at this thing. <laughs> um, so not even no, watched, it. watched it and then I uh, saw it and was like, oh, it's really good. Oh, it's really good. And I was like, oh, well, I saw my scenes and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm okay. Okay. This is good. This is okay. Um, you're and, really good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really chuffed with it. And it's just, yeah, it's just such, such a fun character to get to play. Um, and it's such a lovely cast. And Hannah is one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And I, that sounds like I'm exaggerating and being a, like a media lovey, but she like, I think I'm in love with her. I th- honestly think she's like one of the best people in the world. She's she genuinely is amazing. She? She's amazing. I love her. She's more than a triple threat. She just does everything. And she's so funny and lovely and beautiful and interested in everyone and kind. And oh yeah, let's just talk about Hannah for an hour. Let's do that, mate. <laughs> she's so talented. Anyway, we digress. How's the response been to your book? Oh, do you know what? really lovely and I'm really chuffed so yes so it's um it came out a few weeks ago now months ago anyway it's out and it's doing well um yeah I got into yeah I was Sunday Times bestseller I can say I'm a Sunday Times bestseller 
stay up there for three weeks just absolutely delighted um and more than that i mean that in itself is um, i can die happy but the response i've had from um other parents mostly women mums have just been it's just been amazing and it's been so gorgeous to think that my book can act like I don't know like a little cuddle like a little like sisterly arm around you like a good chat with a mate especially when women are in the darkest bits of you know the newborn days mm. so my book sort of charts the story of me deciding to get pregnant when I wasn't very maternal um, having a pregnancy having a birth the newborn days and sort of what your life looks like afterwards it's sort of a it's quite linear really um but I think um it's it's sort of a, the untold story in a way because obviously everyone everyone has a blooming kid people are popping them out all over the shop in that regard it's really not a very interesting story but i think well not everyone but you're kind of writing it for people that are sort of shall we shan't we or i'm about to or i'm thinking of doing this but i suppose what i'm trying to say is that it's such a common occurrence like it's really not an extraordinary thing to do it's the most (laughs) boring you know mundane predictable life choice that you can make and yet for every person who does make that decision, while it's as interesting as watching paint dry to everyone else, for you, having when a you're kid, it's extraordinary and your life implodes. And for me, it's the most profound thing that's ever happened to me. So I think writing a book about that very ordinary, under sort of underrepresented in a way, but also extraordinary experience is what I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, to have, to have women saying that, you know, it, it, it they, they, they feel they are represented. They feel, they feel seen by reading it is, is wonderful. That kind of brings me to one of my three questions for you, because you're known for being funny and your book is super funny because it's so honest. It's almost a bit like, oh my God, I thought that, but I don't know if I'd ever be brave enough to say it. Um, so parking the funny, I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about the honest bits, the bits that, um, will provide proper comfort for people that feel like they can't say things out loud Mm. for fear of judgment. Mm. So if you could pick just two searingly honest passages from the book that you would sort of hope to, to hand to would be parents as some kind of legacy, what would they be? Uh, I would think the first one would be that, um, the, the experience of uh, having a child and loving your child can be completely separate. So you can love your child or at the beginning for me, it wasn't really love. It was like, I liked my child, um, but that can be totally separate from the experience of hating the newborn period. I despised it. And there's a bit in the chapter, in the bit in the newborn chapter where I say that the newborn <laughs> bit sucks fucking hairy sweaty (laughs) bum it is absolute bullshit and i wanted to leave my baby i wanted to walk away from it and i just wanted to have a walk around river island and just have five minutes fucking peace because the newborn bit is fucking awful and i think to be able to say that and to be able to say that if you are in it and you feel like that it's okay and if you are you know if you have a 16 year old and you reflect back on your newborn days and you feel guilty because you didn't enjoy it that's also okay okay i release you from that guilt it's absolutely fine and very normal don't beat yourself up for not going oh it was the most magical time in the newborn bubble it's rubbish a lot of it is absolutely rubbish so that i'd like to say and then i suppose also um how sometimes you can can i just ask though just about that bit like you know you say it's really really rubbish what what aspects of it did you find so appalling because i think i wasn't prepared for the mental adjustments that it takes 
to become a mum. It's not like you shoot out a child and suddenly you are earth mother. It's a real period of transition. So I learned subsequently a word called matrescence, which is um, in the same way adolescence speaks about the period between ch- uh, being a child and being an adult. And it's a process and it's on a hormonal thing. And it's a physical change. It's something that cannot be reversed. It's the same between, you know, being a woman going through matrescence and becoming a mother. And that's not something I'd ever heard spoken about. And it rang bells for me because I was like, of course that was. I was in such a period of flux and felt so weird and my body was strange and I was trying to get my head around these strange new feelings and emotions and trying to work out who I now was in this new life. Um, so, so I think that's, that's, that's what I found hard in that I wasn't prepared for that. I was prepared for the baby won't sleep and you will be tired, but not really like what the real emotional um, sort of psychological, I suppose, impact it would be on me. Yeah, I described it at the time um, in terms of my physical and emotional self. I felt like a stranger in my own head and and body. And part of it, and it depended which way the hormones were blowing. So sometimes I'd run down the stairs to answer the door and I could feel my postpartum belly sort of jiggling as I did. And some days I could love it, for example, because I I would think my body's extraordinary. It's grown life. And once you watch your body come out of yours, I mean, seriously, that is mind blowing. And you do have this massive, profound new respect for your body. And then the next day, the hormones could be blowing the other way and you could just feel like somebody put a fat suit on you and you want to get it off and you just don't know who you are anymore. And, and every, it's like being burgled and you try and put everything back as it was, but you still know that somebody's been in rummaging around and moved shit. <laughs> that is exactly it. That is so spot on. Yeah. I remember just being yet sort of sat in front of the telly with a baby feeding on me, watching like Gogglebox and being like, how can Giles and Mary talk about Bradley Walsh like everything is normal when my life has fucking imploded and I'm trying to work out <laughs> who the hell I am? And I remember like being sort of running through things in my head. Like, is, is this what I say? Do I say this stuff? Do I like that? Do like who, do you know what I mean? Like trying to play, you're sort of playing the character of who you were before while you, yeah, while you transition into this new body. And yeah, the physical aspect I just found hard find hard as well because it's sort of you look in this mirror and you've got used to this big full um, if you know if you carried Mm. your baby um uh full of life and there you are you're so sort of vital and you know just swollen with i don't know you feel like a goddess i'm speaking for myself i know not all women feel like that pregnancy but that's that's certainly how i felt and then afterwards you're just like sort of deflated and wobbly and i had a cesarean so i had a big scar and you just look at yourself in the mirror and just think who is yeah who is that that's not my body that's not my body it just does it just doesn't feel I, I felt like you know like at the end of a 14 day holiday the lilo's on its last legs that was my body yeah it was like a sort of it was a defeated lilo yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i know exactly what you mean and i remember like trying but then to- i'd hate myself for thinking that and think you know wait for the wind to change the other way because i think you are so hormonal especially if you're breastfeeding mm-hmm. and you get those that massive rush of milk coming in and you're quite blue and and all and you just don't recognize anything you leave that hospital and you're like no one's actually told me what to do next now and yeah help help exactly yeah hey 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Finally, we have EastEnders actress and Hannah's real-life best friend, Emma Bond. Having worked with Hannah in the West End more than 20 years ago, Emma reminisces here about the wonderful friendship they've shared across the years, from Hannah seeing her fall flat on her face the night before their debut of a big West End show to being the person that Emma called to announce she'd been cast in EastEnders. Their friendship is one as iconic as the roles they've taken on. I can't believe how long you've been a part of the show. It is, I mean, it's 20 years. It's a lot. It is crazy. And I think actually going back to lovely Waddy Woo, I think she was one of the first people I called um, when I first got the job. So, yeah, that was 2005. And um, it was a Friday evening. And, um, you know, you know what the auditions are like and you're going backwards and forwards backwards and forwards and I, it came down to myself and the wonderful actress Nikki Wardley who your listeners might know from like Catherine Tate show and she's done loads of stuff yeah um, she's just a gorgeous person and I remember us going in on the Friday um and we had to do a, a screen test in the Vic and Perry was there and Shane Ritchie and so we did our audition and went home and Julia Crampsey the casting director um called Perry and said, pal, we're going to, we've decided to go with Emma. And he said, do us a favour, mate. He said, pick up the phone and phone her because it's a Friday. She's going to be absolutely, you know, beside herself all weekend. Phone her now. Don't leave it till Monday. Phone her now. And she did. And oh. Because it's true. You know, when you're waiting Isn't on a job, it's all you think about. And you, and you start, you know, fast forwarding. What if I if I get it? This is going to happen. If I don't get it, that's going to happen. So to get that call on that Friday, I think it was past six o'clock, past office hours. The agents are ready, you know, to go home. And I remember I was, um, yeah, I, I just was beside myself, and I just paced my bedroom 
you know, for about four hours. And I remember calling Waddy actually, and she was like, oh my God, your life's going to change. And God, didn't it? <laughs> That's exactly how she sounds. It's exactly how she sounds. That is a very good impression. Because at that time, I mean, how you would have known Hannah would have been through, what, the West End? Because, I mean, you were pretty prolific as was she, and is she in, in on the West End circle. Yeah, we um met... Uh, when we took over for the last six months at the Dominion Theatre doing Grease. And she was cast as Rizzo and I was cast as Marty. And so we were replacing two of the actors in that. And we were doing the last run, at the, uh, uh, so it closed. And um, we had about two weeks rehearsals. And uh, so we just literally were together 24 seven for that two weeks and we got to know, and we just literally, like two peas in a pod. We just just just, just got on brilliantly and, um, I remember, so we had a bit of lunch, so we'd done uh, all our rehearsals. We were opening on the Monday, and on the Friday, you know, we had two dress rehearsals, and then see you later, in on Monday, for the actual show. And we had a little spot of lunch in a little cafe. I don't think it's still there now in Victoria. This is it's, it's true what they say about karma. There was, and I've never done it since, actually. I have learned. There was um, somebody, probably someone we wanted to avoid coming towards us. I'm being very careful what I say here. Because okay. he wasn't, yeah, he looked a little bit unsavoury, let's put it that way. And I sort of said something, comedy to Hannah, but as I said it, fell off the curb, which <laughs> fell off the curb and fucked my ankle up royally. So before you open the show. Yeah. So this was on the Friday, late Friday afternoon. We were just about oh. to go in for notes to say, see you later, have a lovely weekend. You start Monday, you open. And my ankle just was like, and just blew up. And that was me. I was done. So I was off the show for three weeks. I didn't have my opening night no. with Hannah. She took all the glory. <laughs> I just had to go back in. Retail between my legs. So I've never, ever done that since. I just, you know, will never say anything. A little bit naughty. You, fa you face planted I almost. face planted. That's comical. Yeah, it was awful. And yeah. <laughs> but we had the best time. And yeah, we're still like the best of friends now. So yeah, it was... It was Good, good times. Yeah, that was about 20 years ago. Crazy. Blimey. And do you share the same sort of like mad, crazy excitement that I do watching Hannah's star rise? Because her talent is extraordinary, as you know only too well. But it's that brilliant showbiz story of that should go down in, in the sort of showbiz history books of sometimes it just happens and you know your stars align and somebody comes in and speaks up for you and says no I want her like Jason Sudeikis did with her for Ted Lasso and it changed everything and now everybody gets to see everything we knew she had to yeah, offer absolutely. and it opens the door for other performers yeah, from the hope. West End you're like what she's doing is oh yeah. doesn't it just and for a woman in her 40s yeah. who's not a big marquee name at that point absolutely is now it's just marvelous in there and a single mum I mean it's like yeah everything and, and and she so deserves it and the speech she gave on you know when she won the Emmy and and said you know please just remember us musical theatre performance give us a chance and it's wonderful how you know when we first met 20 years ago the industry you were sort of pigeonholed you were oh you're a musical theatre mm. actress and 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 you're not going to cross over to tv and film it was a it was really difficult but when i whenever i see her and and you know go seeing her over in la being interviewed and you know the award ceremony i just I sob know. and 
and it's lovely when when I was doing Strictly, she would just every weekend, every Saturday, or every Sunday after she'd watched the show on the Saturday, she'd always be in tears, just going, oh, you look so lovely and your dress was so gorgeous. <laughs> so we've just got that appreciation. <laughs> it, it's just, and and for each other and, and yeah, it does give give us hope. And so you should never give up on your dreams. That's that, you know, that's true, isn't it? You really shouldn't. It? You really shouldn't. Because um, what was so frustrating, I think, for so long was that stars of the West End, you know, the triple threats, the likes of you and Hannah that can sing, dance, act, uh, would never get the opportunity to, you know, move out of their lane. It was very much you pick musical theatre or, or television or drama, or, you know, or film. But actually, then lots of people that were had a profile from television and film could open a West End show. So they were allowed to kind of cross-pollinate your world, but not the, it was one-way traffic. And I think, you know, women like you and Hannah have proof that actually you can do it all. I mean, the, some of the stuff you've played in EastEnders has been gritty, heavy, heartbreaking. You can't do that if all you've got is jazz yeah. hands. And I think deep down in... in I sort of knew that... Um, I felt when I first started off, I, I wasn't, again, I've got quite a funny story to tell you. I, I wasn't the jazz hands. I, I, I trained in musical theatre, but I never thought I was good enough. So I was, I had a great singing voice, but I didn't have the strongest. Uh, I could move, but I wasn't the best dancer. But I loved acting. And I sort of looked a dancery sort of West End sort of performer. So, but I loved doing comedy. So I was stuck in a really sort of hard, not, not, I just didn't know where to go and, and how to do it. And mm. um, I remember I, was, I did a lot of um, workshops for musical theatres and, and, and shows like that, but I knew I wasn't going to get that leading role because I, I just didn't think I, I, I wasn't in that bracket. So I thought I need to try and change. I need to try and change and get into straight theatre or, or into television. And it was so difficult, like I say, at that time. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, yeah, I would say sort of uh, late 90s. And it just so happened I had the most wonderful agent, Barry Burnett, very famous agent. And I was so lucky to have um, been signed on by him from my um, showcase uh, that I did. Uh, Finishing at, school, at drama at school, PS yes. School. And um, my, 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 my teacher at the time wanted me to do a very beautiful romantic ballad that would suit a beautiful soprano singer. That, and I knew I was a bit more edgy. I, I, was, I don't think I could head it off, but I, give me a character song. So I, I wanted to do Sondheim. I wanted to do Sunday in the Park with George. My teacher, musical theatre teacher said, no, no it's, it's hard. You won't be able to do it. And my singing teacher said she can and fought, fought, fought for me and I did it and I, I, I got Barry Burnett from that. Thanks so much for joining me for another trip down to the cellar. If you want to hear any of these episodes in their full glory, and I recommend that you do, just search for Ellie Taylor, Luke Evans, and Emma Barton. And I'll be back on Friday with a brand new guest. Until then, thanks so much for listening. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.